So I would like to start with my Apple Watch. I am wearing it today. It's with me. Um, the reason, I go back and forth on wearing an Apple Watch. If you have one, you understand the struggle. Um, there's pros and cons, um, what, but the thing I love the most is how customizable my watch is. Normally, I have a sports band on it. I have my heart rate. The weather's displayed constantly, and of course, the time, and those are my basics. Um, today, since I'm formal, um, I simply have the time and the date, just in case anyone should ask me the date, I'm ready. Um, but it's, it's very simple. Um, later today, when I'm relaxing, um, we're having a youth meeting this afternoon, I will put it on my sports face, and it'll track my heart rate and kind of do the general stuff. If I go for a run, I have a face for that. If I'm just on vacation, I have a very simple face for that. Um, so big, big pro, um, the Apple Watch is customizable, just out the wazoo. You can do whatever you want with it. It's great. Um, and I love that. And I feel like we as a culture love customization. If you had to give a word to what do consumers, what do the American people like today, we like to customize. We don't want the default package. We don't want the vanilla. We want to customize it. Pay a small little fee and make it exactly how we like it. Anything is possible. You just have to have the imagination, and that's it. We've been trained to expect our own way, our own custom build of whatever we happen to be buying or looking into or investing in. We just want to find the right flavor and pick that, and that's our, our go-to. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the Christian life is not like that. There are commands and there are truths that cannot be changed and if you try and pick and choose after a while, you don't have Christianity anymore. You just kind of have your own kind of messy salad of sacred beliefs and stuff you found on the internet and stuff that you like. But it's not, it's not really Christianity anymore. There's a few things that just have to be there to be essential Christianity. And we as Christians, we as Baptists believe that the Word of God tells us that, gives us the outline of what it is to be a Christian, what it is to follow Jesus, um, and we follow that as best we can in our lives, and we hear sermons and pray and learn and Bible study to achieve that better. Our verses today contain one of those fundamental truths that you can't swap out, you can't just vote no on. Um, once you walk down the aisle or however you do it, this is, this is part of who you are. The call is to serve. And that call is for all of us. Every believer who follows Jesus Christ is called to serve. Now, our deacons today who are being ordained have a specialized part in their calling. But these verses in this message today is for all of us as a church that this is God's command for us. So if you'll follow along in your Bibles, we are in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And the first thing that we see is that we are to set apart ourselves to God. Verse 1 says, I appeal to you, this is Paul speaking to this church, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. If you want to just have a nice, boring, dry reading, um, read Leviticus. They killed an animal for everything. Um, and that was the system. Um, it was a financial transaction because money was measured in livestock at the time. And that's, that's difficult and unfamiliar for us to realize. Um, if you came to church today and you brought some doves to kill, 
we're not doing that anymore. We changed it. Um, but that was, that was the idea, right? That was the system. Even in Jesus' time, he's, he's dealing with this system in place. And if you read the Old Testament carefully, there's a thread running through it of, it's not just the animals. It's you giving of yourself to God. What is most precious to you, what is most important to you, you are giving to God. And when we get to Jesus, instead of destroying that, he actually makes it more explicit. He says he wants all of us, the whole person, um, whether that's mind, body, or spirit, he wants us, um, heart, soul, and mind, everything. And so we find ourselves in Jesus' call, in his words to his disciples, that we are set apart, quite literally set aside for this special purpose of serving him. And what that means is that what we believe, what we value, what we do, um, who we hang out with, um, our professions, how we conduct ourselves in those professions, how we deal with people, whether they are difficult or easy or anywhere in between, is set apart for God. That is part of our, as Paul says, our spiritual worship is how we serve. Our decisions must be alive and holy and pleasurable to God. For Paul, I think it's interesting, that is the most basic level. He's not speaking of deacons. He's not speaking of a bishop or the pope or any other pastor in between. He is speaking to the members of this church. And he says, that's step one. You serve. You are set apart to follow your Jesus, to be a believer, to give your heart, however you want to say it. You are to serve and present yourself to God and say, here I am. Send me. So that's step one. Step two is don't, can't, don't conform, but transform. Paul says, verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Paul's point is that you are not of this world. As the church, we don't quite fit in anymore. And occasionally we try and fit in and just be like everyone else, and it doesn't work. We are God's people now, and we are in the world, but we are not of the world, as they say. And our attitude is not that we are trapped in this sinful place with all these crazy people and delinquents and just all the sad stuff is happening. That's the wrong thing. I need you to flip that. The rest of the world is here with us. It is not we who should be getting on their level, but we who should be calling them up to God's level. We are here to transform people and the world and be Jesus' hands and feet wherever we are planted. We are to keep pushing forward, to be hungry for God and God things, and not just settle where we are, just say, oh, this is my pew, I'll sit here, I'm very content here, okay. But we are called to go out and transform the people around us, to be Jesus Christ to them. I think we almost fear that we can exhaust what God has for us. If we push too hard too soon, we might run out of gas, and what are we supposed to do for the rest of our time? When the opposite is true, the further we go with Jesus, the further we try and speak his word, the further we go in loving others, the further we go in confronting sin in our lives and in the world, the deeper and richer Our faith with Jesus Christ is. Our life with him grows and grows and deepens. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. 
You will not be sad for making God your highest priority. Jesus said, let there be light in the darkness. And we are that light. A light that transforms all around it. A light that shines and is that city on the hill that God spoke of. We are his presence in a hurting world. Watch the news. There's plenty of hurt. There's plenty of things to pray about. You say, I don't, I don't know where to serve. Just see, there's, there's stuff for you to do. <laughs> there's stuff for all of us to do. And we are called to serve and transform where we are placed by God. Charles Spurgeon, who by many is known as the Prince of Preachers, pretty nice title if you ask me, he had this to say about being transformed and living the life of faith. He said, The word of God will be to you a bulwark in a high tower, a castle of defense against the foe. Oh, see to it that the word of God is in you, in your very soul, permeating your thoughts, and so operating upon your outward life that all may know you to be a true Christian, for they perceive your words and your deeds. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so part three is very simple. In order to serve, you have to be humble in service. I think in my years as a pastor and watching people serve in the church, um, there was a deacon three churches ago in this little, little bitty church. There were 20 people in the church. There were 10 youth We had a grand old time. I had 50% of the congregation. Um, It was good. Um, And his name was Will, and he became the head deacon. He was in his early 40s. He was a math teacher at the school, and he became a deacon. And my goodness, this man did everything. No one ever told him what a deacon was supposed to do, so he just made it up. And so some Wednesdays, I would come to church, and he'd already be there an hour early, and he'd say, hey, I got pizza, and I set out the chairs, and, oh, the gym was kind of dirty, so I swept it for you so the youth won't be dirty. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Um, I had just moved to Waco, Texas, and he took me out to lunch, and he introduced me to people. Um, he could play tennis better than anyone I've ever met, and so he would hang out with me and just let me know what's going on in the world. And he just served, and no one asked him to. He just kind of showed up, and he said, I'm here to do what needs to be done. And we said, okay, um, Thank you. Thank you very much. And he was just this quiet, unassuming math teacher, and he just loved God. And he just moved in that so he didn't even know what he was doing. He just was. He just followed Jesus and loved others, and everything was for God. So there was nothing outside his bounds of, well, I'm an adult. I can't, I can't play dodgeball today. Sorry. Um, there's just so many things that he did. I have trouble recounting it, but... Everything he did was worship, and everything that he did focused on God so much that he, he lost himself in a very good way in that service, and he still serves there to this day, long after I've left. Um, he's still there, leading worship right now, uh, making sure the chairs are all set out. And so humility is, is part of service. It's a critical part, but the tricky part about teaching you from this pulpit and then saying, let's go try and be humble is it's very difficult to focus on being humble because usually you become impressed at how humble you're being. It's, it's kind of your snake eating a tail here. Um, once you say, wow, I'm the most humble person I've ever met, you're not quite as humble as you think you are. <laughs> so 
The real trick, and the trick I've tried to learn in life, is to focus on God and focus on serving others, and don't see yourself. Don't spend so much time saying, well, I'm doing it today. Great. Um, But focus on the person in front of you that God has put in your path, and God has said, this is the need. Be the hands and feet today. Um, That that worship, because that's what it is, it is worship, would be so powerful because we would simply be seeing God. We wouldn't be seeing what we think we should be, who we think we should be like. We would only be aware that God has used us to be useful in his work, that God has invited us into his planning and his purposes, and we can speak. We can speak his word. We can speak his love to the world. And I think true service just brings about thankfulness, the sense of, that was, that was good. It was a small part, but it was, it was necessary. And I think when Paul says, have a sober discernment, that is what he's trying to say, that we are simply hands and feet. We are simply serving the Lord. Deacons, unfortunately, you have the hard task of contending with the knowledge that you are serving God. You literally have a title. Um, you get your own special prayer room. We ask you to do stuff all the time. So when I say be humble, we'll be praying for you. I also have this struggle. Um, you will be aware of your service to God. But it's important to remember that your primary role is to serve. In the scriptures, when it says a deacon, what they are supposed to do, they serve. Yes, there's voting and there's business and there's potlucks and all sorts of good deacon stuff. But the main business, the business that all that falls under, is serving Jesus Christ. If you are ready, deacon, I hope that these verses remind you and encourage you of the role that God has called you to do and continue to do. Um, We say on ministerial staff, there's no such thing as a a done deacon. Um, There may be an active or active, but you are a deacon until you go to heaven. I mean, you're in it for the long haul. So I hope they told you all that in your training. Um, If you are a church member, please be praying for and encouraging those who are called to this special service. Um, Their role is to help us all worship, um, help us all lead the church, govern the church. um, And that is a special calling from the Lord. And it's good for us to pray for all of our deacons. If you are here today for your ordination as a deacon, I offer you this final picture of what a deacon looks like. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, Jesus says he did not come to be served, but he came among us as one who serves. So our Greek translations um, take that and just smooth it over so you get as one who serves. But in the original, he is literally saying, um, I came as one to deacon. Um, The Greek word diakonos, you can show that off later at lunch, diakonos means to serve. And Jesus is our model for what a deacon should do. He is our first Christian deacon. And so today, if you go from this ordination and you're not sure what you're supposed to do, in the days and the years that come as you are a deacon, remember, Jesus is your picture. He is your deacon, and you are following in his footsteps. You are his hands and feet, and you are a servant to this church. Amen. Let us pray.